and welcome to The, the Rabid Nurses. Nurses. Hi, I'm Mary. And I'm Kaylee. If you don't remember us since it's been, you know, forever. Several months. Honestly, it's been a hot minute. It was a hot minute. We took a much needed break. For real. Um, and kind of came up with where we want to go. So welcome to Series 2, The History of Nursing. It's exciting. We have been a little on the fence of where to go and what to do. And we had talked about yeah. doing this for a long time, um, doing like a history portion. And so I think we finally decided like, all right, we're just going to sit down and do it. And we're going to see how this goes. So this is a completely trial time. Heck yeah, it is. And, and maybe error. Tra- oh, <laughs> lots of errors. So many Such. errors. And we're just going to see how this goes. So um, good luck to us. <laughs> Good lucks to all, <laughs> and to all a good night. <laughs> and to all a good luck. Night. A good night. Like Christmas? No, no, no I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's September, but I'm already Oh, Christmas God, season. I can't believe it's already September. Dude. It blows my mind. I feel like we should still be at the beginning of August. I know. And you know the best part, guys? We already celebrated Kaylee's 30th birthday. Oh, it was so great. It was really cute. It and we actually cute. have a trip coming up for her birthday. It's, and she has no idea what I have going. no clue what's happening or what's going on. I have had no hand in this. Well, good morning. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I have had no hand in the planning of this trip at all. And so there's definitely a little bit of anxiety of like, there's been zero control. And Mary and Alexis have just taken over and they've been planning this trip for me, for my 30th. Right. Yes. I'm so excited, guys. She's going to be so excited. It'll be adorable. We're bringing in a new decade the right way. Hell yeah. The best way. I know. And then we have Alexis is next, and then you're in a year. That's right. It's exciting. I'm, so I'm the excited. oldest. You know what I was thinking about the other day? I'm the oldest of the group for the first time, I think, in my life. Yeah. That's crazy. I could see that. I'm you're always, always. I've always been the youngest. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. Jinx, you and me a soda. <laughs> I'll get you that soda. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I have always been the youngest person in the group. And so therefore, like this is, I was thinking about it and I was like, huh, it's weird. <laughs> this is new. I'm the leader. That's adorable. That's so funny. <laughs> she wants to turn on the fan and she can't. No, 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 I was trying, I was going to turn off the fan and then I realized it's not the fan, it's the AC that's blowing. <laughs> And I was like, oh, we got to make sure that, like, it doesn't mess up our microphone sounds. Those sounds. Sound so many. Sounds so good. We have made sure to get everything off of the desk. We're not touching the desk. No vibrating electronics on the desk. <laughs> I went back and I listened to our very first episode. And the amount of bumps and clanks. Oh, it was awful. It was cringy. I was like, oh, I am so sorry for the people who have been listening um, who have stayed with us and I know to series two to series two it's starting so it is what are we doing let's do highs and lows really quick and then let's dig you ready hell yeah I think you have a lot more than I do mine's definitely going to be a lot scattered mine's going to be scattered too and I think yours is going to be organized it's fine we'll see how this goes all right highs and lows let's go of your summer because we haven't been here in so long oh man you're right 
Well, guys, I did get my official new job. Yay! Woo, woo. Um, I'm officially into research nursing, and it's been crazy. I absolutely love it. Research is so cool. I have my own adult office, which, like, in nursing is unheard of. Like, you don't get an office unless you're, like, high up management. So, like, <laughs> I'm getting an office, and I feel like a big, like, kid. <laughs> I decked it out, and so like it's been so cool. The people I work with are so sweet and supportive. I'm learning a lot. It is a very steep learning curve, mm-hmm. but getting to go from like bedside to this and still get to stick into nursing, but it be a different avenue of nursing has just been so rejuvenating. Really? You feel rejuvenated from it? I do. It's been hard because I've I'm taking it, it's very slow at the beginning because getting onto all these studies and stuff takes a lot of education and all these different like credit, like um, credentials and stuff. So it's been long, but now I'm slowly starting. I got to input data yesterday and it was so, it was so satisfying to finally get really? to do the job. Yeah. <laughs> it's been slow moving, but it's, it's really starting to pick up and I'm like so excited to see where it goes. There were so many times where she would call me and be like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, stuff what are you doing she's like i'm just sitting here at work waiting to work (laughs) (laughs) and so um i think it's gonna be really good like i'm excited to see how you blossom from this yes agreed so that's been good and gosh the low um it was just a funky week this week i was very emotional very on edge you know money is always a fun stressful topic it's a great adult thing i hate being an adult so that's you know what that's my low being an adult (laughs) (laughs) i'm over being an adult you guys i just want to be a kid again (laughs) adulting one out of five stars would not recommend (laughs) stay in the uh college phase it's a fun one yeah (laughs) adult but not with all the responsibilities and payments ew oh no Good morning. Sorry. Um, every time I sit down to do these, all of a sudden I get really sleepy and I'm like yawning. I'm like, <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I don't think I would ever go back to childhood or I, the independence that is gained from adulthood to me. I will take that every day. Every day. Sometimes I don't have I like anyone. <laughs> I don't have anyone to answer to. I don't have anyone to like yeah, no. Mm-mm. I get that. I don't know, but on the other side of that, like having a kid, now I'm responsible for someone and it's like mm, now this part of adulthood. <laughs> have to make sure she comes out like a well-rounded, productive member of society who has the perfect balance of selfless and selfish, right? In order to Good learn boundaries. Yeah. Oh, man. It's like, oh, that child. She's a fun one. She's a mess. She's perfect. She's adorable. Maybe not perfect, but she's pretty great. <laughs> She's pretty great. She's pretty she cute. Pretty great. When we got here last night, she was like, is Mr. Scott going to be here? It's <laughs> like, yes. And she's like, okay, we can play video games. It's like, okay, child that's not even five. Like, everyone's like, oh, how old is she? I'm like, oh, she's five. Well, she turns five in October. And I said that in front of her. And she goes, mom, I am four. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. I am so sorry. 
I'm sorry I got your age wrong, child. <laughs> I didn't realize how important it was to a four-year-old. Um, it's very important. To ensure that she was four and not exactly. five. Because five will be big for her. Five is going to be so big. So crazy. I know. I know. Okay. Are you ready to go- jump into this? Let's do this. Okay. Um, all right. So we're going to start talking about the history of nursing um, and where it's found and um, kind of just trace it through the times. And I think our goal is we're going to like go up to Florence and then we're going to have like an episode of Florence and then we're going to have, so this is going to be kind of like a short little mini series, I think, to get us through the semester, especially since my school has started back. Mm-hmm. So I think this is just going to be a little four fiver. Potentially. We'll see how much. There's so much information. There is. So it might be a few, but we'll see. Yeah. We're, we're going to play it by year. We'll play it by year. We'll let you know what you're planning to do. So um, I think it'd be a good start. So I'm going to take the ancient era and the ancient time. Um, so starting with like, I think it'd be a good place to start with like just a simple definition of nursing. Um, it comes from the Latin word of nutrix, meaning to nourish. Um, and it's kind of been described as a person who nourishes, fosters, protects, um, prepared to take care of the sick, injured, and aged people. Um, do you have anything you want to add? No, that sounds awesome, dude. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, interestingly enough, the Philippines has legally defined nursing as, and bear with me, this is a quote, a person is deemed to be practicing nursing when he or she singly or in a collaboration, singly, excuse me, or in collaboration with another initiates and performs nursing services to individuals, families, and communities in any healthcare setting. As independent practitioners, nurses are primarily responsible for the promotion of health and prevention of illness. As members of the health team, nurses shall collaborate with other healthcare providers for the curative, preventative, and rehabilitation aspects of care, restoration of health, alleviation of suffering, and when recovery is not possible, towards a peaceful death. It's an awesome, awesome definition. I, the part, whenever I read that, the part that caught me the most was the end part, like towards a peaceful death, right? And that's something that we've encountered so much in our career in literally a year and a half or two years of redefining mortality and redefining Mm -hmm. death versus what Western medicine fights for Mm -hmm. so much, you know? Well, and I feel like it's been such a fight for so much longer than that since my mom's been in, you know hospice and hospices have been around for so long like we've been trying so hard to bring peaceful death concept to Mm -hmm. america and america refuses yeah it's really hard because you're right like western medicine has made it such a point where it's like oh no like we're gonna keep you alive till the very end it's like i want to die peacefully in my bed with my family yeah absolutely like the idea of western medicine is to prolong death and it's very interesting and it's you know we're practicing curative medicine on palliative patients yes yeah perfect summary (laughs) nothing else to add you're right (laughs) yeah and so I just I read that and I was like well the Philippines is kind of far off you know I think I think a lot of what we're focusing on today is going to be like Greco-Roman and Egyptian ancient 
uh, medicine. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, going into European, which naturally is where, you know, Western medicine is founded off of. So mm-hmm. so I knew it was, I read it and I was like, oh, but just that definition, that la- those last four words just really were powerful. Well, and it's funny that you say that about the Philippines because when I went on my mission trip there, like, they actually send most of their nursing people to America. Really? Yeah. Like, they actually make a big portion of our nursing uh, staff. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's really amazing. It's funny you say that because it's really uh, intriguing and amazing how diversified nursing is. Yes. So many different cultures come together to care for these patients and these communities. And it's really interesting to see people from all over the world come together. Like when I started working, we had a couple of uh, Russian, Lithuanian, um, and uh, Indian, I think um, Colombian. and it's just phenomenal. It's just really great that everyone comes together for this common cause of our patient. It's so cool. Okay, I digress. Um, <laughs> all right, so during the prehistoric era, uh, nursing is uh, can be construed as an activity. So uh, to fix and make humans whole again, essentially. Early definitions were one who cares for or suckles a child, so where you get the idea of a wet nurse, right? And one who looks after and fosters, so again, that wet nurse ideology. Um, Early civilization, it was seen as a religious practice Mm -hmm. rather than like a formal educated practice, Mm -hmm. um, more of a vocation. So like you had to um, kind of give your life to these... um, like religious callings, yeah. Um, like there was no social status that was deemed with it. Um, it was, it was just kind of like this is this was your calling. You were called to take care of sickly in your community, and so you kind of went off and you did that, mm-hmm. which is interesting because even today we call it a calling. Oh, it's so freaking true, right? Like everyone, like, well, when were you called? To nursing. (laughs) And I'll be honest, (laughs) I experienced the calling. Um, My mom did not. She was like, I need need a way to support my family and support myself. And so she didn't necessarily have the calling. She saw it as a means to an end, Mm, right? mm, Yeah. But what's crazy, and so this is like two, two separate concepts. On one hand, I would say like, you know when people have the calling and you know when they don't. So true. It's very true, right? So true. But for her, she was phenomenal in mm-hmm. what she did. So it's like she didn't have the calling, but she was great at it. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, and the concept of it needing to be a calling is also so, like, intriguing and, like, a problem at times because sometimes it is, like, not every nurse is going to be like, oh, I was called to, like, save people and do these things. But, like, sometimes it is just a job. Yeah. And that's nothing wrong with it being just a job if it's not impeding or impacting the way you take care of people. Absolutely. That's when it's a problem. Because those people where it's just... Or it's just a job. It's almost neglectful. Absolutely. That's when it's like, okay, like, you've taken it too far to the lack of 
care in your job. Well, and that goes all the way back to episode one where I gave the example of that nurse that was like, oh, I don't want those sick patients. Mm -hmm. Then why are you here? Right? And if that's how you feel, take your nursing license and find a different avenue. Like research. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how you feel? No. (laughs) No, Mary's a phenomenal nurse. If anyone who's listening, like... Um, I know a lot of people who listen know us personally, but, like, those who have gathered, um, which we are so grateful that you're here, and we hope that you've stuck through our horrible first couple of episodes with all of the bumps and the bangs. Um, uh, Mary is a phenomenal nurse. She loves her patients to be clean, and she talks to them at every moment, and um, I think you're one of the best advocates I've ever seen. You really are. You really, really are. You are a, um, like, it was an honor to work beside you. And it was an honor to learn from you. It really was. We're, we're both going to cry. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay, Continue. moving forward. So those are some great definitions of nursing and what it was seen as, right? No social status, religious um, ties, a mm-hmm. lot of religious ties. So I thought that we could start back in ancient Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. Super cool. One of the most documented ancient civilizations um, that we have access to. So interestingly enough, reading about ancient Egypt, um, again, going back to that religious aspect, it was um, as far as practitioners. So it says usually priests who were accountable for healing physical and psychological diseases. Um, They were considered the link between humans and gods. So kind of um, the typical thought process of a healing man um, who, you know, he spoke between the two, he was mm-hmm. the communicator, he, mm-hmm. you know, prayed to the gods on your behalf, diseases were seen as, um, diseases were seen as punishment, yep. um, you know, and different gods were attributed to different diseases, of course, so, um, the nurse in ancient Egypt appears, um, as both like typically male nurses like there were both genders but mostly in the hieroglyphs that were picked up from ancient Egypt they were male nurses who assisted with the physicians in these holy places um, in these hospital quote unquote hospitals taking care of the patients um, but interestingly enough predominantly the female nurse role was limited in caring and breastfeeding for the child. So, yeah. like, again, it was just a very wet nurse, very... Um, maternal. Maternal. And yeah. so what's interesting is that, like, they have really no real record of um, physician-female assistants. Um, let's see. And then, so there are some studies that strongly suggests that there are male physician assistants. They prepared the equipment, they were doing the feeding, they were um, measuring like health parameters and stuff like that. That's crazy. So a predominantly a male dominated um, role. Role. Yeah. You know, yeah. of caring for these people. So they had something called a dry nurse and a wet nurse. Um, a dry nurse goes back to the old kingdom, which is like... Uh, 2575 BCE 
is the concept of a Holy dry crap. nurse. Um, and these were considered um, goddesses that would feed and provide for royalty. Like a priestess? Or it was truly like a god? It says, the ones who held this title were goddesses, and they were in charge of providing the deceased king with bread and food. Oh, so this was in the afterlife. It doesn't really say. That is so interesting. It says it was a rare, it was a rare Egyptian title translated as the dry nurse. I wonder if they were like killed in the tomb with the pharaohs. Medical treatment. Hold on, I'm reading one second. To take care of the aged. That is so freaking cool. I want to be a goddess when I'm taking care of sick people. Right? Put leaves. Yep. So basically, like, a wet nurse is, like, think of this, like, when you're freshly born, like, you're full of fluids, you're squishy, you're cute, and then, like, a dry nurse is, like, you're taking care of the, the aged and the dying. Mm-hmm. Interesting, huh? I've never heard that reference. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, interesting, right? So interesting. So the male nurse was actually, it was attested in the, it was attested as a God's child or as a priestly title. So a male nurse very much held a higher position naturally. Of freaking um, course. <laughs> I'm not bitter. Um, so like male nurses very much held like a higher position. Um, in the in the ancient Egyptian communities, they did have they have records of like poor public health and high mortality rate of children. Mm. And so nurses and mid, like wet nurses and midwives were constituted as like substitute mothers naturally. So they Makes were sense. to come in, substitute care, feed the children. Their social status was determined by the status of the family. They were caring for. Yes. Ooh. So they were brought in so like as if a king or a royal were to bring in a wet nurse, they were considered almost a part of the family. Kind of like how um, nannies are considered a part of the family. If you get a nanny that you really like, you really bond with well, um, they're not just the nanny. They're, they're considered extended family. Right. So very similar to that concept was what you see in Egypt with the wet nurse. Mm. Um they were also like usually a um, there was usually a blood tie connected to the royal family, so like someone's niece or cousin or something like that who weren't necessarily royalty, but brought in to be like, well, you're family, so we'll bring you in. Hmm. Um, and then most of the time they were low socioeconomic status. Um, they were given like pre-definitive wages. They could also be slaves. Their age range was between 20 and 40 and usually had to have one or two children. Um, and interestingly, they were described as having a healthy, large body. It was believed that milk from large bodies was more nourishing. Well, I guess I got that in the book. (laughs) Yes. All right, so here are some definitions of the ideal wet nurse. You abstained from sexual intercourse and lewdness because it reduced the affection that um, 
the nurse would have towards the child. Um, it soured or reduced the milk supply and even blocked it entirely, encouraging menstruation and um, uh, encouraging like fertility, basically. Right. So you weren't allowed to have sex anymore. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Nightmare. Um, drinking wine back in ancient Egypt while you were breastfeeding is not allowed because they saw how it could translate to the baby. What? Isn't that crazy? Genius. Um, they typically should have been sweet-tempered, affectionate, and responsive to her charge. Hmm. Sounds so feminine. Sounds so feminine <clears throat> and familiar. Hmm. Um, they were ex- typically exploited for the products of their bodies and coerced for their milk. Um, so basically... Basically used. Right. More of a commodity rather than a... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there were midwives. Um, they received their training at... A late source mentions that midwives received their training at the House of Life of the Sias Temple. No Egyptian word for midwife and no medical papyri deal with childbirth. So very little... Um, about midwifery in ancient Egypt. Um, typically, like when they did depict mid uh, birth, the goddess Heket and Nekbet were depicted with the mother. Why does Hecate sound familiar? Are you thinking of the goddess Hecate? Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah, That's the goddess welcome. of the death, right? I don't know. I think she's. Well, we're not going to give Miss Yeah, no, no, not, not going there, not going there. Um, so basically, those goddesses were attributed to midwifery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were no, like, real depictions of real women assisting in childbirth. Um, let's see. Nothing indicates the existence of any specialities uh, usually practiced by women, uh-huh. uh, gynecology or peens. So, um, mm-hmm. so we didn't even see an example of a midwife until the third century AD in ancient Egypt. Third what? century AD. Yes. Yeah. Super interesting, oh right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then women finally were given like a foot up when um, Queen Hatshepsut uh-huh. uh, initiated establishment um, of for schools of medicine and the women were persuaded and encouraged um, to track and practice medicine. So it was kind of like this queen was like, you know, I really want to get on board with this and I really want women to start pursuing these things. Yeah. And it took... It took a lot, and obviously it still wasn't recorded in ancient Egypt. Which I find so interesting, because when I think of ancient Egypt, I think of gender equality because of the prevalence of, number one, female deities, and number two, female um, figureheads. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Like It's like, huh. Of course, they really weren't in reality. <laughs> like, no surprise. So, ugh, so heartbreaking. All right, so from ancient Egypt, we are going to move to ancient 
Greece. Woo! All right, so da, 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 da. my notes are all over the place. And I know this is kind of long-winded, but I think it's just really interesting. So the Greeks had the idea of um, house matters are not for the public eye. And so therefore, it's the same concept as like, don't air your dirty laundry in public. Oh. Okay. So um, women, the idea was that women shouldn't have to deal with um, common matters or practice professions Mm -hmm. and so they were confined to the side of the home (laughs) what the heck i thought greece was also a lot more like it depends on so remember like ancient greece was not a unified country they were made up of that's true and i'm thinking um, more rome mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so so they were very you know it, it was um what stood in the city was its own practice, mm-hmm. right? So um, so women were mostly confined to the homes, um, and this source doesn't necessarily say, like, what we're looking at, like, what city that we're looking at, mm-hmm. but so we're just going to kind of take it as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, a large part of heritage was lost to social changes, um, confined women to the loft, um, ousting women from exercising therapeutic interventions, and then also introduction of laws um, prohibiting women from gaining formal education. <coughs> so, again, <clears throat> we see just... Um, the lack of respect or belief in a woman to be able to do something. Yeah, like it's just not your... There's special roles that you... like. You're a homemaker. Mm-hmm. And so you deal with things inside of the home. Um, interestingly enough, so again, Latin uh, means to nourish. And then there's a Turkish. In Turkish and similarly in Greek, nurse means sister. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So, like, really interesting. So instead of, like, a nourisher, you're a sister. You're mm-hmm. um Caring, loving, giving, right? So, like, much more of a family role Mm -hmm. rather than a communal role. Right. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, And so nursing care was considered, like, an internal affair Mm -hmm. of women. So everything was done in the home. If someone was sick, so think about it. Like, when you're sick, where do you stay? Home, yeah. Home. And the women would care for you at home. So, so cool. that was really interesting. Um, but what's really cool is that ancient knowledge from the 3rd century BC regarding human milk um, dictates its use for treating burns with ear and eye infections. And it was also proven at the time to be effective in immunological, sorry, I can't talk, and <laughs> antimicrobial parts. Uh, properties. So even back then, women were finding uses for human milk. Um, they were also, they were looking for, they discovered like healing properties of herbs, other substances, and then it was passed along from generation to generation, as well as house of the household and city to city, of course. Mm-hmm. So um, there is knowledge that's happening that is not founded or based inside of a... Um, 
institution, for lack of a better word. No, that's the perfect word. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Passed down um, knowledge rather than like. Yeah. Infused inside an institution. That's yeah. So good. Absolutely. So good. And so because of that, there's not a lot of historical mentions um, through like texts and mm-hmm. it was a lot of it could have been lost mm-hmm. or even ignored. Mm-hmm. Um and challenged of like, well, where did you get this from? It's like, well, because I've been doing it for the last five years and it works. I kind of know what I'm doing. Right, right, right. Um, but there were some women, um, nurses in uh, Greek um, and like so Homeritic works. So Helen of Sparta was supposed to have learned secrets of herbs uh, from Egypt. Ah, yes, so Helen. cool, right? Yes. And then Agamedes, who's the daughter of King Aegeus, was claimed to know all the medicines on Earth, and Hecamede uh, was credited for treating the wounded during the Trojan War. So there are prominent figures throughout historical writings, whether they be true or not. Right. But if Homer is pulling these ideas, then it had to have existed in the time. You write from what you know. That's true. Right? So, like, very, very interesting. Um, Now, so during the ancient Grecian time, uh, there was a lot of emphasis on hygiene, exercise, and orthonutrition dietetics. So, um, Hippocratic texts um, talk about women as exclusively providing therapy to other women. Mm, yeah. Um, there's a word, I'm not going to try to say it because I don't speak Greek. Um, it's called umbilical cord cutting, which leads you to think of midwives. Yeah. So another reference of midwives um, and also like doctor-like tasks reported in the home. That's so cool. Um, what I found really interesting in this one too is that sanitariums pre-existed... Asclepia? Yeah. That looked pretty good. Good job. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Um, they flourished in ancient Greece, providing healthcare in a more structured form. Mm-hmm. And um, there was, it was reported that within their organization, organizational structure, there was a class known um, who cared for patients, their duties being a mixture of servant and nurse. So, again, a very servant-like role, subservient. Um, yeah. These women coming in and just caring for the sick. I hate the word servant. Well, it is what I it know. is. I can't change I it. Know. I can't change it. You need to reality. go back in time and change this. Okay? Well, I can't. No? Okay. Well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, in ancient Greece, it was also the duty of women, um, free women or slaves. So, again, um, and it was, like, nursing was considered to be, like, of very little interest to medical science, considering they were thinking, they believed that there were, there was no um, advantage to this knowledge, right? Right. To advance medical science. However, I am going to move into the Roman period a little bit, but, um, so the Romans are where we first kind of see the building of, like our the idea of like a hospital too Mm -hmm. it does go back that i can add a little bit of that in at the end but um so the romans have something called deaconesses okay okay 
Um, they were considered the predecessors of nursing. They used to tend to patients, the poor in their homes, prisoners, and others by providing care. The Deaconess Order may be regarded as the first visiting nurse effort. Hmm. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. Yeah. So this was all during the like the early spread of Christianity. Right. Deacons um, make sense. Right. So yeah. um, so women and monks did this, but we have the deaconesses that were um, focusing on this. In the year 400, there were 40 deaconesses serving, four, excuse me, 400 serving as parish nurses in Constantinople. Constantinople. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. Um, So what's really cool is that Phoebe, who is a prince, who is an apostle, a a disciple of the apostle Paul, was considered the first district nurse. That's crazy. Isn't that interesting? That's so cool. Um, So like, which I know you're going to get into this, but Christianity really seems to have taken the concepts and pushed it forward, right? Yes. Um, So here I have this woman by the name of Fabiola. In the 4th century AD, she created a house to care for the sick, and it was the first public hospital and a later hospice for strangers. Um, And she was canonized because of her work. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I stepping on your toes? Nope. Okay, keep going. Um, and then I just have, like, two other women who contributed to, like, nursing in the hospitals. So we have Paula founded a founded in Jerusalem a hospital in a religious community for women. A typical nurse. Uh, she was educated, and um, she was considered to be the first trained nurse. Mm. Interesting. Um, and then, of course, there's Marcella who was another wealthy Roman, Um, she converted her home into a monastery, and there she taught nursing as an art rather than a service. Yes! Yes. Mary's all about that one. Heck yeah, dude. So it's just really interesting. You know, women, while just quietly working in the background, it just seems to be the continued ideology of nursing and... um, like, what's interesting is, like, reading all of that, it's, I'm sure it's difficult to hear yeah, that not much has changed. Ooh, girl, just get ready for medieval times. <laughs> um, because it's like, oh, no, you know, we're educated women and we have degrees and, mm-hmm. you know, we, we do so much for these patients. But in reality, you're just my servant. Get me water. Or I put the orders in, do the orders. Mm, I'm into that. So um, I wanted to touch on something because whenever you go into healthcare and you graduate and um, you take a Hippocratic oath, mm-hmm. and I don't have the oath, um, but I do have the kind of philosophy behind the oath. And the three main categories um, are health promotion, intervention on trauma care, and mental care and art therapy interventions. Um, It included physical activity, and it emphasized the importance of nutrition. And uh, the Hippocratic philosophy really focuses on the holistic healthcare model. Um, Seeing the person as a whole and trying to bring in multiple different um, practices to treat 
the patient mentally, emotionally, and physically. Mm. So that's all I have for you. Like, really not much, but interesting to just see how it oh flows God. through the ancient times. Yeah, like, that's so freaking crazy, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Crazy to see, like, where nursing is starting from. and <sighs> Right? And, like, there's this connection to it of, mm-hmm. like, oh, we've come so far. But have we? Yeah. But have we? But what is also still the treatment of nurses right now? And, uh, oh, like, good job, dude. Like, that's such cool information. And, like, I love the idea of, like, digging into Greece and Egypt. Like, oh, I love it. I know. It was really, it was, again, like, I just, it floored me how little references to female practitioners there were. Yeah. Yeah. R- really. Yeah. It really did. Uh, well, you guys, so I'm actually going to be going over Middle Ages or Medieval times, okay? So this is primarily going to be in Europe because that's where a lot of this information comes from. So, like, Kaylee was hitting a lot of good points that was surrounding Europe but not in Europe, right? So for me, we start about in 400s AD to, like, the 1400s to 1500s. And um, biggest thing that I get from this is... A lot of the medieval time or dark ages as well started with the Emperor Romulus Augustulus dying or falling in 476 AD. That's like where the dark ages actually initiate. Really? Is that his fall? Mm -hmm. At the fall of Romulus? Yeah. That's like literally where most people reference it from. Huh. Intriguing stuff. Yeah. So obviously biggest things with... nursing is that this concept of healing has been considered a natural responsibility of women related to them being wives and mothers. So we come from that maternal concept of, oh, you're a woman, you're totally going to want to take care of people, which has its positives and has its negatives because not every woman is very maternal. (laughs) Okay. And that's not a bad thing. That's just the reality of it all. Um... But yeah, so, and then this also, where I was looking up, it said nursing was untaught and instinctive during this time. Mm. It was performed out of compassion for others and a wish to help others. So again, Mm. that servitude mindset, which there's a concept of that that's positive. There's also a bit of a negative expectation Mm. that comes with that, right? Mm -hmm. So these women's desires were used against them a lot during this medieval time as they were hard workers and they got little to no compensation. And a biggest part of, yeah, oh, don't, don't worry. We're going to get into it. The biggest pieces of their desire was to break social constructs. So to gain (laughs) independence, they ran to the possibility to be nurses in hospitals and monasteries. So like a lot of very affluent and like very high status women were going into nursing during certain times Uh because they wanted to get away from the social constructs. They wanted to break it. And a lot of these women ended up like traveling to Spain and to Africa to take care of the gravely ill and pregnant because wet nurses and like midwifery was a big thing at the very beginning of medieval times. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so the biggest thing though is like with this beginning times, scientific study of human illness did not start in the very beginning of the Middle Ages. Okay. The use of magic, ambulance, incantations were primarily used as well as herbs, which... 
there's nothing wrong with herbs. Herbs are actually great and that our medicine, we're not even gonna get into the conspiracies, but anyway, herbs are truly a good thing. Now the magic and amulets, also intriguing ideas. Well, see, and that followed from like a lot of those religious practices used in the ancient times, yes. right? So amulets, amulets typically hold like a certain god or mm-hmm. a saint if you're Catholic. Um, and so like if you hold on to this amulet, like you have that deity with you, protecting and guiding yes okay and so um biggest thing at the beginning of this cusp whenever science wasn't a big portion of it it was primarily palliative care was what nurses were expected to do all these other attempts by male um i don't want to say physicians but the people that were truly trying to do like interventions to heal these people Mm. if those were not working and they weren't getting cured then they would go to comfort towards the nurses so it would be a bed a bath some prayers because most of the time at the very beginning of the middle ages it was monasteries and um convents these were the places that hospitals were truly established as Mm. well as universities Mm -hmm. so a lot of education came out of those places even though a lot of it started in a very toxic christian concept Mm-hmm. Right. So medieval nunneries had a very different social construct compared to their male counterparts. Okay. The, there were different rules, stricter enclosures, and fewer opportunities for education. Medicine did not um, have a significance in the women's monasteries as it did in men's when it started growing in the medieval times. A look at the libraries and surviving manuscripts collected in the nunneries shows that there was little to no interest in medical topics. Really? Mm-hmm. But it's because they couldn't. Care, all about caring for the patient. Mm-hmm. An examination of a few known sources on medical um, active nurses reveals similar problems. Although, or active nuns. Although some communities supported their own hospitals, the nuns did not generally nurse the ill and poor themselves. This holds also true in general for the sisters in hospitals. Most of the monasteries had an infirmary for the sick and aged sisters of their own communities, but in serious cases, a male doctor was usually called. There is little to no evidence that medieval nuns were occupied with medical studies. There is one specific nun known as Hildrigid of Bingen was regarded as an exception. So, like, this girl, like, looking into her history... She was crazy smart. She was gaining so many practical skills and diagnosis, prognosis, treatment, combined physical treatment of diseases and holistic methods and centered of healing. So like she was really trying to like get into that gateway of like Mm -hmm. understanding. But for the most part, men believed that that was their place Mm -hmm. and women were the ones to take care of them when they failed at their ability to do so. So that's like the biggest things there. And then, okay, so now we're going to kind of go into like these breaking brackets. So there's a really cool article I was reading and it really digs into France and Germany and how like the evolution of the nurse truly began in a hospital. So like this is after mm. there's been a little bit more evolution of nursing and stuff. And now we have hospitals in place where nurses are being used. Alrighty. So in these hospitals right now, we're going to start in France. So in their primary um, hospital like form was usually like through churches or monasteries, right? So the administration of daily work routine in a medieval hospital is best illustrated in two archived French institutions um, in Paris and Lyon. It was decreed as vows of poverty, 
chastity and obedience as well as wearing of a religious habit. It's like those uh-huh. those hats. Uh-huh. Their transition from novice to white robe finally would be like a hood demanded no less than 12 years. Yeah. But there was also no formal education to set it up at the time. Right. So it's like, oh, you're going to need to do this for 12 years, but we're not actually giving you a formal education. Mm-hmm. Also, most of these women um, becoming nurses, for economic reasons, the council also sharply reduced hospital nursing staff. A ruling <laughs> that... Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Continue. Uh-huh. A ruling that at once served church coffers and exhausted nurses who remained, these women were responsible for not only palliative care, but elementary as it was, also housekeeping. That's a joke, right? Nope. (laughs) And then there was the so-called, quote-unquote, drug room at the hospital that was managed by an older, more experienced sister. I know, this is crazy. And more experienced sister. Medications were derived from botanicals and prepared as lotions, potions, or enemas. Um, she had her own herb garden with oils, vinegar, and wines, and she also maintained supply, supplies of linen, food, and firewood. Physicians or males, of course, were not allowed <laughs> to enter the nunnery in any way but for a necessary cause. <laughs> Just to be sure. These women were expected... <laughs> it's so sexist. These women were expected to not be pretty. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> to not be pretty? Yeah. They were supposed to be, like, ugly women, essentially. Und- the undesirables Unf- of society. Uh-huh. And oh unfresh my women. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. They should not be freshened. What? Uh-huh. So I, I don't can't, know. I can't take a shower? <laughs> they didn't take very many showers at this time. Ugh. Let's also remember. No. They also didn't have deodorant, which I would die. There's also a... It's like a matre and a macresse. These were, like, two different institutional, like... Um, leadership roles for okay. these so-called nurses. And they managed all the affairs in the institution, fixing the sisters' assignments, house hours of work, quantity and quality of the food, and penalties for infractions for the working rules. Such penalties towards these nurses included meal deprivation, forced eating on the floor, and corporal punishment, all inflicted in the presence of their colleagues. Are you serious? I'm 100% serious. And they, okay, and so, whoa, 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 hold on. And these are women who are caring for the sick of the community? Yes. And they're treated like garbage, like non-humans. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you can hear that, I have my dog over, and my dog, so there's a hierarchy of dogs. My dog <laughs> is the largest. Oso is the middle, and then there's Maple, who is the Pomeranian. Princess. And my dog loves to talk, so that's what you're hearing in the background. They're very upset that we are currently away from like, them. Like, Maple wants to be left alone, and it sounds like Butters is like, oh, come on, just play with me. And Butters is like, nah, bish, leave me alone, I'm tiny. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, of course, like, in the medieval times, there's also, like, major epidemics occurring, right? So there is this concept of contagion. They just don't know, fully comprehend the concept of these contagions, right? Mm-hmm. So during the ravaging epidemics of the medieval era, squeezing squeezing of six bodies into one bed, 
three faces at the head and three at the foot was unavoidable. What? Like, I'm almost slightly triggered hearing these things of when we were in COVID. Yeah. Oh, my. Which. Oh, my God. You never worked the ward when the, they moved. No. <laughs> okay, let's bring Hold Maple on. in here. Yeah, yeah, sorry. One second, guys. One Let's save Maple. Just bring her in here. Come on, teeny Maple. Maple girl. She's like safe. Sweet rat. <laughs> Are you terrified? Look at her. She's so traumatized. Oh, so, so traumatized. <laughs> we'll have yeah. to, like, upload pictures eventually of our dogs so y'all understand the creatures that we're always with. Okay. Should we go? Do you know what that is? Okay, so the ward, when the ward moved to 14 and 13, uh-huh. um, the, our hospital had specifically designed the rooms to take two patients in case something like COVID happened. If, you know, we needed to make that space. So the rooms at Parkland are designed in a certain way to hold two patients. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. Yeah. And um, it was tight and it was cramped and patients were mad because they had to share their room. (laughs) Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, there's no way. Yeah. And then, of course, here's, like, the concept of what it looked like in a nurse's day. I almost just, I'm sorry, I almost just, like, gagged. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) A nurse arose at 5 a.m. She attended chapel prayers and then would begin work on the wards. Their duties included using a single portable basin... To wash the hands and feet of all patients, dispensing liquids, comforting the sick, making beds, and serving meals twice daily. Sisters on night duty reported at 7 p.m. It was their task in an era before the bedpan to conduct the ill to a communal privy. And privies, with all those noxious, like, privies are essentially, you know, where people would go to have a bowel movement. Yeah. And they go to the bathroom, right? So there's all these noxious fumes in there because it's not like they have a running toilet. So they couldn't have flames near it. So they're having to take these people to the bathroom in the middle of the dark. Oh. There was no known, like, all at uh, one that always had light until, like, the 1400s. Oh, my God. They were God. always in the dark. And oh there were so God. many patients that would fall, get hurt, and it was expected <laughs> on the nurse to take care of them and, and like, bring them back into a healthy Call point. Call, don't fall. Exactly. Wow. Are you ready for this? This, yeah. this like, It's so funny like how triggering all this is to me. A patient count for these nurses was 10 to 12 per bed at the time was no rarity. Hospital nurses sought relief by distributing children among the <gasps> sick adults. Given these circumstances, mortality rates of the children soared. Oh, yeah. And, like, that was one of the biggest things was, like, with a lot of parents dying, all these orphaned kids were expected as these maternal women to be taken care of by these nurses. And these nurses were already taking care of 10 patients, so they would let the sick take care of the kids. Wow. Unheard of. And, of course, this is the, like, cherry on top of France, right? And nurses were expected to avoid any display of anger at the mentally ill or sick. Wow. 
I was like, huh, sounds familiar. Oh, you got hit by a patient? All right. So anyway, yep, that was um, France. Let's go to Germany. Um, the There's something, I'm going to butcher these words. It was called a Kastorin, and that was another, like, higher um, Kastorin. Okay. It was, like, another higher level, like, nurse again, made all the essential purchases, submitting precise accounting for every item. She supervised all housekeeping and kitchen personnel, <laughs> substituting for any one of her workers when necessary. Can you imagine a manager trying to do that? Psh, please. No. <laughs> the, and then there's another one. So there's another hierarchy person. It was a Meisterin. I'm sorry, you guys. Y'all are just going to keep hearing our dogs. They've decided Butters to start playing again. so funny. Okay, go ahead. Like, it's rawr, funny. Rawr, our dogs rawr. will play with each other, and Oso stays silent the entire time. Butters is the one that's always like, rawr, Butters, rawr, rawr. Butters is a talker. She is. I and Oso's it. a talker, but when he plays, he goes silent. That's weird. Because whenever I get home, he's like, oh, no, Mama, please, pet me. I'm Aww. like, I know, baby dog. I know, baby. My sweet baby dogs. Anyway. Where were we? The Meisterin primary charge was the kitchen. She too was held strictly accountable for her purchases, partly to guard against dispensing leftover food to family or friends. The Custan and Mysterin, both medically untrained, shared the weekly task of evaluating the needs for the inpatient care. And they really stress okay. that. So these are untrained people in the concept of Bedside care. Okay. Making the calls. There is so much spite <laughs> happening. Just, you know, a little bit of shade. Just a little bit. A little bit. All right. And then there's another hierarchy person. And it's, uh, it starts with an S. We're going to call them Mrs. S. Implemented hospital admission policies. Admonished to deny entry to those suspected of having a communicable disease. So we're already having this concept of, like, obviously we understand that diseases get passed on. We just don't fully understand the concept yet of how, right? But they do understand that they shouldn't come near others. She favored those with chronic illnesses. Finally, she was required to make a diagnostic decision among those seeking medical care, a duty which she too had no preparation. So you're gonna essentially, I don't know if you have heard it yet, but like there's this whole concept of like in an emergency situation, they'll flag people. So there's either green that they're okay, stable and fine, they don't need treatment. There's yellow where, like, they need some care, yeah. but they'll survive. Red means, like, they need to be taken yeah. care of. We can save them. And black means, like, Death. they're alive, but they're going to die. Yeah. So, like, there's that hierarchy of, like, mm -hmm. this poor person is being told, all right, like, if you think someone needs to be brought in, cool. But, like, you need to be I just able find to it say. Interesting. I find it interesting that these, it says, like, they're saying that they have no formal training. I'm like, okay, well, it had to come from somewhere. Right? So, like, maybe they didn't have any, like, nurse medical training of how to take care of these patients. But, like, you're not just grabbing a woman off the street. Like, can you elaborate on that? Well, here's the thing. Like, with all of these that it's been studied, a lot of this is the very beginning initiation of these concepts. Mm. So, it's not like they're coming from years and years of this happening. Okay. This is truly people being brought in unprepared and even if they do have a concept of what they're doing they're truly not having a formal Understood. preparation okay. to this right so like okay. in the end like they're ill prepared for all this yeah okay gotcha, right? gotcha, gotcha. um so the same women expected to supervise the bathing of patients 
Oh yeah, these same women. So these same women were also expected to supervise the bathing of patients, to care for children, and to protect them from the mentally ill, who shared the same living quarters, to distribute medications ordered by physicians, and to mother all patients. On top of everything they're already doing. In addition, these women were required to act as the physician surrogate. This is intriguing to me. When medical examination required touching a female body. So even back then, men wouldn't touch Mm -hmm. other women. Mm -hmm. Specifically, this one is like obviously based in Germany. But yes, like they're like, we're not going to touch the women. You're going to touch them. And then they're going to describe to them what they're feeling and experiencing to then help the guy diagnose. They palpated breasts and abdomens and described to the attending doctor what they felt. They were also responsible for conducting patient prayers and consoling them. Mm. Furthermore, these same women managed the hospital lands and livestock, which provided food for the patients and staff. And not the least of their duties was to gather uneaten morsels and bread for offerings to the poor. Like, I, there's no way. One or two women doing all of this. I mean, this is probably a handful, but still, like, that Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Like, tending to livestock is hard. Being able to, like, come up with all this, you're assessing patients, bathing patients. Mm -hmm. Of course, we don't know what the baths look like compared to ours. (laughs) (laughs) We washed some hands and feet people. Aggressively. Yeah. Seriously. But yeah, so it's it's crazy what was expected of these women. Mm. Like, I just, it blows my mind reading this, and I'm like, wow. But there's also this level for me where, like, and I know I keep jokingly, like, throwing some shade, but in reality, like, nurses right now are expected to do these things. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not going to forget whenever the snowstorms happened, and EVS aren't paid nearly as much as we, right? So, like, they weren't going to risk coming into work. So we were EVS. We were nurse. And during COVID, I was an RT a lot of the times, too. Yeah. You know, um, depending on, like, how, like, thinly spread these RTs were. Mm -hmm. Because obviously RTs were the primary thing that we needed, and there just weren't enough to go around. And so it's, like, the expectation of these poor women to be, like, okay, like, this is my job description, but in reality, I'm doing so many other things. So much more, Right. It just, it resonates with me in such a level where I'm like, wow, like, this is something that we're still experiencing to this day. Is it to the extreme they did there? Okay, no. But we're still experiencing this, like, unjust expectation of people to do absolutely everything. Right, absolutely. Okay, and then there's also what's called the Pest House, (laughs) was a city institution for the isolation and care of those with contagious diseases. It usually functioned only during an epidemic, so, which in the Middle Ages was struck unparalleled severely, right? There were so many freaking plagues mm-hmm. and epidemics, so much death. Um, and then it's, it's said it's mostly was attributed to, like, blood and drought, celestial influence, insect invasion, poisoning of wells by the Jews. What? Oh, dude, yeah. They, like, had so many crazy thoughts of where this was coming from. It can also be blamed on the lack of sanitation within, I mean, that was the true reasoning was yeah. sanitation. Um, within the walls of a medieval town and the large number number of soldiers, merchants, traveling students returning to alien regions. So it's like, you know how much disease they brought to these other areas. But yeah, so these people literally were thinking it was all due to these other things, which of course during this time, most um, disease, I don't, I'm shocked that it didn't. I think I have it down here. Oh yeah, I have most of the Christian part down there. I was like, there's a part that I'm getting to. So we'll get to the points of, like, what they really saw as disease. Mm-hmm. And that'll be really interesting. Anyway, so other nursing duty, other nursing duties in Germany included enshrouding the dead and caring for the children who just survived deceased, deceased parents. 
such care was often given to the nurses in their own homes. So now they're not just working at work, they're working at home. Mm -hmm. Women also assumed active care, child care roles in public orphanages. There is a certain woman called Finden Brunutter. She was a healer for these children, and she was often earned a bitter anger of local, like, barber surgeons who claimed that she was usurping their therapeutic domain for eye infections and other, like, lymph node or tuberculosis-esque kind of diseases. She took into her jar- charge, she consulted wise women as well as male physicians. And that pissed these people off. How dare she go to women? Yep. Yet the ultimate tribute to their healing skills was the imposition of women of the unrewarding care of the insane. So I didn't really touch here on the amount of care for like mentally ill people, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of that. And that's where yeah. that expectation of like, oh, like someone's abusing you. Well, you're a nurse. You asked for this to go into this profession. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think a lot of that truly originated from here. Uh. Where it's like, oh no, you asked to be part of this role. So this is what you get. You're just yeah. going to have to suck it up. And it's like, okay, no, we're not taking that. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. So, all of that was primarily up to, like, the 12th, 13th century. And, of course, in the 13th century is really where medicine started to, like, grow. Medicine and surgery advanced in the 12th and 13th 13th century, but nursing rapidly declined. Rapidly. Oh. Like, so all this is happening, and they're starting to build up, and they're starting to be part of this caring role, but you also have to think about it. Like, they're not doing any of the, like, true... They're bathing. Mi- yes. They're bathing. They're taking... A, they're, they're PCAs. They are... And that's exactly what I was about to say. They're PCAs, right? Yeah. And it's, like, the role of being able to take care of the medicine, like, this drug role, I'm curious what happened truly in this decline in the 13th century. So... Where this all goes to is female healers started to face hostility due to the fact that they were women and they were not allowed in universities or given the opportunity to train in medicine. So there's already a red flag, right? Where it's like, okay, you're not allowed to be learning this medicine anyway. How did you learn? How did you figure out what's going to work for these people? Mm. So that's where a lot of this red flag comes in for them, I believe. And those who tried were punished. The pursuit and punishment of witchcraft is actually where a lot of this starts. So right in this time, it's like such an aggressive point of like, oh, these women, there's no way they could actually learn this stuff. Uh-huh. They have to be a witch. Uh-huh. Um, so in Christianity, <laughs> during the Middle Ages, disease was believed to originate from sin. It was believed to be um, from sin, also possession by Satan. Remember that piece. Witchcraft was the most effective treatment in prayer, penance, and Satanly assistance. Linked with the belief was the teaching of the 12th century, um, if unstable, Hindegrad of Bingen. People thought of her as unstable. Who urged the maintenance of physical health as a defense against the devil and his or her colleagues. (laughs) Both secular and clerical authorities joined in this prosecution. So, like, at first it was mostly clerical, right? Like, obviously, witchcraft being a devil thing is mostly going to come from, like, a church standpoint. But... The secular also just ran with this. They were like, we don't want women in medicine as much as you do. Let's get rid of them. Right. And they just, everyone believed what they were saying. And um, it was predominantly peasant women alleged to be in league with the devil. Thousands were tortured and executed. And many of them falsely charged and convicted on the basis of coerced confession. Okay, so you're talking at this point, this is the witch trials. Yes. This is, this is the, the Salem witch trials. Essentially. I mean, that's the comparison I'm making. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, the witch hunt of the, mm-hmm. of the, of the European th- age. Uh-huh. So many sat- like p- people believed like the Satan instruments of torture used on arrested women contemplated like what lay ahead. So if like they thought they were about to be arrested, they would kill themselves. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. They would actually commit suicide. Oh my god. That's how terrified they were of being judged. In the Middle Ages, these Female healers were hunted as witches. Persecution was promoted by the church and clergy. These women were often killed at a rack or on a stake. European campaign for repression against the witch gathered momentum between 1200 and 1430 AD. Um, Many peasant healers believed that um, admitted witches possessed the skills of sorcery, a wildly held view of the witch, and they denied holding membership in an occult and sorority, applying witchcraft to their healing practices. The church, however, rejected their protest and innocence and severely condemned these women of holding sorcery, especially in midwives. And this is where it gets really heartbreaking. Yeah. During um, and after childbirth. So every innocent midwife whose patient was unwanted result, um, such as a stillborn or a malformed infant, Mm -hmm. they accused her of witchcraft. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's this Hiltbrand's Tetwork book of midwifery published towards the closing of the 16th century, um, unabashedly stated that many midwives were witches and offered infants to Satan after killing them by thrusting a bodkin into their brain. Like, and that's what's so heartbreaking is these women were so looked upon as motherly. And it's like, of course, midwifery was going to be such a mm-hmm. passion for these women. They've been through it usually. Right. So they know how to help these other women. And now you're saying, like, any assistance in that means that you're, like, a Satanist? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, and if the baby comes out dead. Then or, it's their fault. Then it's their fault. Mm-hmm. And that they're worshiping the devil. And it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And obviously it's not difficult to understand why women healers and midwives were the primary target of such virulent attacks. Their therapies reflected superstition and hearsay as well as personal experience. Understandably, right? Mm-hmm. How many superstitions have you heard of? Like if you if you have all these things, you're having a girl. And if you have all these things, you're having a boy. Mm-hmm. And how to conceive a boy and how to conceive a girl. Mm-hmm. And- but even in nursing, we have our own little superstitions. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I guess that's what's so sad is like, like in this moons. time, yes, mm-hmm. like full moons, yeah, yes, it's crazy. And Friday the Thirteenth, <laughs> all these things like these are such instilled in us in that sense of like everyone always has a superstition. But during this time, it was so dangerous to have any kind. Um, and since they were excluded from academic institution, female healers of the Middle Age were little opportunity to contribute to the science of medicine. Women served as herbalists, midwives, nurses, traditional healers, and they used non-academic medicine like bloodletting, purging, natural medicine like herbs and plants. So obviously those are very naturalist things. Obviously bloodletting and purging are not smart things, and those were very common in the Middle Ages. Right, right. Um, In the 1400s, there was another book called The Hammer of the Witches, and it was a work by two German um, people. And the book remained in the official church text on a witch hunting for 300 years. Mm. Their principal themes were diabolical copulation and doctrine about incubi and succubi. Mm-hmm. 
perverse forms of sexual expression between the witches and the devil and his bestiality form. For midwives, the authors reserved for them venomous charges. The greatest injuries to the faith as regards to heresy of witches are done by midwives. This is made clearer than daylight itself by the confessions of some of those who were afterwards burned. Hmm. And it's like, obviously, you tortured these women into admitting to what you believed. Right. Uh, In the hands of the midwife of the Middle Ages clearly lay an enormous responsibility of trying to protect the mother and child against the perils of childbirth. These sinister deeds of Satan... Uh, It was a responsibility, indeed, the demanding familiarity with the host of empirical procedures, natural and supernatural, effective and ineffective, um, and the counter to the ill demands of the devil. The Middle Ages revealed themselves to be moved from the role of the revered and poorly compensated, source of comfort in times of ill, um, illness and injury, and the most reviled creature in the world, the devil. So there was a lot of growth at the like middle middle know, the middle of the Middle Ages, um, and then there was a lot of persecution of just women in general by the end of it to the point where like I don't see how any woman would ever decide to be a midwife Mm-mm. because of all of the torture and horrible acts done upon them. Well, I mean, people keep having babies. This is true, but would I risk myself? To help that woman give birth, if if that baby came out wrong, it would be blamed on me. Yeah. No. Right? No. Like, no. I just, I wouldn't. So, sorry to end that on a very disturbing note. Um, But, you know, the Middle Ages were a very harsh time. I mean, that's why it's called the Dark Ages. Yeah. Lots of darkness and death. And... Yeah. No, absolutely. And, like, what's interesting is that, like, the use of herbs and medicines and things like that that were so popular that even through ancient times were used mm-hmm. um, regularly all of a sudden get attributed to witchcraft and witchery and now it's wrong and so this idea in western medicine prevails that um, it it's herbs no good medicines created by pharmaceutical companies right. are the right way right absolutely. and it started here yeah it's crazy to me. I was like, that. Yeah. it makes so much sense, though. If you villainize something, then, of course, it'll just reverberate throughout the years, throughout mm-hmm. centuries. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, one of the biggest ones uh, for me, personally, is St. John's Wort. But mm-hmm. um, I haven't had any time to, like, really take it and see its advantages because I... I had to get on top of the issues that I was having, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. And so... What's the best way for that to happen? I go to the doctor. The doctor writes a prescription. I go to the pharmacist, and the pharmacy fills it, right? Um, but, like, it's it's just, and I think what it is is that it's unmeasurable. And mm-hmm. it's, um, I don't want to say the word unreliable, but it's undefined. It's unrefined. It's not but, structured. Right. You're exactly. so right. I think it's unmeasurable. And, and it's uncontrollable. It's uncontrollable. Absolutely. People can grow their own herbs mm-hmm. and take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Or you don't know the quality. Like, what kind of earth was it grown in? Oof, like, that affects it, right? So how much sunlight? What kind of water are you mm. using? Um, how rich is your soil? All of these things affects your food. It affects these herbs. It mm-hmm. affects the, you know, properties of what you're growing. Mm-hmm. And if you can't control that, 
Um, you know, and that's one thing that medicine, at least today, modern medicine, Western medicine prides itself on is that like medicine is controlled from the moment of conception. (sighs) Right. And so, um, it's very, it's hard to do that with these herbs. Um, and so therefore it's like, nah, you know, that's great, but, uh, take this antidepressant. You know, exactly. Um, you know, we can see it, we can measure it, mm. we can quantify it. Quantify it is exactly because you can quantify herbs, but you're right, there's so many details that go into mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. And of course, like after it's been villainized, like I'm, be- I believe, like after the medieval ages, like people were too scared to touch the stuff mm. out of so fear true. of being deemed evil. Mm. So, so true. Even now, you're villainized if you touch herbs. Oh, my God. A hundred percent villainized. I mean, there's definitely this movement back towards it. There's this, you know, the pendulum swings, and it always swings very far one direction. Well, it corrects itself, uh, and then it'll swing way too far in the opposite mm -hmm. direction. And there is a movement towards more holistic practices, right? Mm -hmm. Such as the St. John's Wort, like me utilizing it. Like, over the summer... I was able to decrease my um, medication, and I would supplement with St. John's work. Um, but now that school has started back, like, my stressors have changed. It's like, no, I need something that I can rely on to be able to be um, consistent. Right. Right? And that is that is a blessing. And you, there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at, at all. all. And Mary knows, like, it was chaotic for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I finally, you know, sought medical help and it has been a life changer and a savior in a lot of ways. But, you know, yes, I, I can manage this. But unfortunately, I'm in a time in my life where it's like I have too much going on to be able to measure, quantify, qualify all of the herbal remedies that I could take and to play around with them and see what works and what doesn't. I don't have time for that. I need something to I need help, like, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a good thing, um, and that's great, but it um, it definitely, we're such a fast-paced society that we do not allow for that time anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's in everything, dude. Yeah. Like, in making food and spending time with our family. Yeah. Like, There's so many no- other cultures are not so focused on the clock. It's, it's patience. Mm, yeah, we don't have it's any It's patience, of that. right? Absolutely. It's patience, and we're, we're completely lacking it, I think, as a society. Yeah, 100%. Uh, well, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope this was really cool. We're definitely testing the waters. Send us your comments. Like, we want to know what you thought about this, if you thought it was interesting, if you were bored, if you're like, ooh, I want to learn more about the Egyptian side of things, or if you want to learn more about medieval or Greece or anything like that. Like, we are totally welcome to, like, do more of a deep dive. We're just generalizing it for now. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it was fun. Like, how do you feel it went? Oh, my gosh, I loved it. It was good. It was really cool. It was good. It was definitely different. I missed our conversation, though. I missed our conversation, too. Okay, so we'll get through this. We'll see how we feel. We'll see what the general feedback is and then uh series three we'll see how we do and see what direction we want to go in yeah totally agreed so continuing to grow and change and morph 
and um, we'll let you go as as time keeps going. So thanks for coming out. We'll talk to you later. Yes. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.